ESPN playoff predictor. It's got Oklahoma at 37%, Utah at 9%, Baylor at 8 It's kind of, we want Oklahoma and we don't want Utah. It so we're going to way. put this out that Oklahoma has a higher percent chance because we are the ones who are really running the show. You can see what the committee's going to do, right? After the conference championship games, they're going to say, well, Oklahoma got the better win. So they'll have Oklahoma leapfrog Utah. That's what I think will happen. And man, if they don't include the Utes, then head to Pasadena and have a great time. Howard Beck of Bleacher Report. The Jazz have gone from the nice underdog overachieving team to being mentioned as a potential contender in the West. You want to be in a contending conversation. What comes with that then is a little higher expectation on certain fundamentals and that includes being a great road team. The difference between good and great in this league in part is how good are you on the road? Can you win a decisive game in the playoffs away from home? And you establish those things during the regular season. This is a little early but it sounds cliche. This is a great test for them. Yeah, it is. If they're going off brands, Utah's in deep trouble. And they've set it up perfectly to have Utah get jumped in a very uncontroversial way. If they would have jumped Utah this week, the playoff committee would have a real mess on their hands because it'd be even more controversial than it is now, and it would take away from the big TV show that's coming next week. But see, that's working because I have talked to a few Utah fans who have said, well, if the committee were really biased, then they would have had Oklahoma jump Utah already. They don't have the top 10 win yet. That's the key. That's the excuse they'll use. It's set up to happen. Greg Bowler, Jack, with this. What's going on with this team? Because uh, What do you want to start? There's a lot to talk about. I don't know what it's going to take. I thought by game 20, the Jazz would have this figured out. Out of sync, I think lack of confidence. The depth at this point is not as strong as I think many thought it would be. That can change with some better play. Is there panic? I don't sense it. Anger? Yeah, because they know they can be a better team on paper. I think they are. But right now, performance-wise, no. He's our friend David Locke. Gordon and I were talking about the bench. What are they missing that they had last year? Well, I mean, I think Derek Favors going up against a backup center was a pretty big advantage. And then Favors and Ingles played the pick and roll. It wasn't as good as we remember it, but it wasn't this. You at least had an identity of what you were trying to do at that point. The problem with putting the ball in Joe's hands is then Joe, the shooter's not available. That's difficult. And particularly if you're trying to play Axum and Moutier, neither of which are shooters. So this is all very, very complicated on what the right answer on all of it is. But the second unit does not have an identity and needs one to some extent. Covering the Ducks for the Oregonian, he is James Crepio. How do you think this game's going to go? I think it's going to be a clash and battle of strengths, which you would hope the conference title game set up that way. You have one of the best offensive lines in the country against one of the best defensive lines in the country, and a Utah defense that is strong at all three levels up against an offense that is a top 25 offense, but be that as it may, after two less than stellar performances and a loss at Arizona State and then a mediocre-looking win against Oregon State. If Utah had to draw when to get Oregon, boy, is it getting them at the right time as far as Oregon's offense is concerned. Best Sports Radio is on the Zone Sports Network. Allow me to reintroduce myself. My name is... And it's time to kick off Utah's most listened to sports radio afternoon show. This is The Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. Sponsored by Mountain America Credit Union. Guiding members forward for over 80 years. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Is everybody ready? Everybody's working for the Let's get rolling. This is The Big Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. 
That is, it is the big show, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Welcome on in. Happy Friday. Happy game day to everybody. Thank you very much for making us a part of it. Great job uh, by Austin right there on Sounds of the Week. Brought to you by Homie. Homie assigns a whole team of realtors and specialists to sell your home for a flat 1500 bucks. That means thousands of dollars in hypothetical realtor commissions back into your pocket. That's innovative. That's fair. That's a company who's got your back. That's Homie. We also want to say a big thanks to our title sponsor, the good folks at Mountain America Credit Union. Get 0% interest on all, uh, all purchases through May of 2020 with a new Mountain America credit card. For details, visit macu.com or call 1-800-748-4302. No Gordon today. Uh, we hopefully uh, will be checking in with him a little bit later on in the show as he is live from Santa Clara. Are we sure? Uh, no. Okay. But we'll ask him. But then again, well, no, that, we, won't, yeah. we won't go down that road. How are you, Austin? What's going on in there? Lloyd was in a bad mood. Uh, you, you in a good mood? I feel like I've hit the jackpot today. Okay, okay. Uh, I, I may as well be soaring through the clouds. Things are good. Yeah. What's going on? Oh, I was just making a joke about oh, okay. uh, traveling and <laughs> things. <laughs> I get it now. Yeah. Yeah, I, I do. PK, I, feeling like he hit the jackpot? Yeah. Or at mm-hmm. least someone in his traveling party may have? Yeah. <laughs> somebody did. Somebody Somebody made some money. That so. happened. But anyway. uh, No, I'm doing great. We had a great good. week of shows, Tony and I. Uh, please visit 1280thezone.com and... Uh, keep us in in a job. Thank you. I I heard uh, a good portion of your show today. Notice that uh, that Coach Lou was a little under the weather, having <laughs> having a little trouble. Yeah, it might. Uh, anytime he has a bit of a, a rasp, it's kind of worrisome. So, I mean, he is 216 years old. He's so. not young. That's true. Yeah. Not not young in the slightest. Yeah, the last week it was rivalry week. I asked him about the Civil War. He actually broke down the actual. Civil War. He got into the Civil War. I mean, he was there for it. I'm sure he was. All right, we do have a lot to do on the show today. It will be very college football heavy, as you would expect, of course. We'll talk about this Ute game coming up against Oregon, what needs to happen uh, for the Utes to get into the college football playoff. We will discuss. We'll also mix in some basketball, of course. The Jazz remain a huge story. Uh, Howard Beck of the Bleacher Report is going to join the show at the top of the 4 o'clock hour. Uh, We're going to officially start pregame. At the top of the 5 o'clock hour, Hans Olsen and Frank Dolce will be here, but uh, we're hoping Hans might duck in a little bit early and we'll get a couple extra college football segments with uh, with Hans Olsen a little bit later on in the show. So very busy. As Scotty mentioned, uh, we're, we're going to have this thing covered for you top to bottom <laughs> this Pac-12 championship game. <laughs> oh, man. I, I'm sure nobody is getting that joke, but it is quite funny. Quite funny on a quite funny on a Friday. <laughs> that, that I got to admit, Austin, that uh, what you're referring to there is is definitely made. But right my now, day. as I look outside the window here, way cloudy. <laughs> so uh... <laughs> that was PK from earlier in the day. Don't remember there being a Caesar's Palace in San Jose, but no, hey. I didn't either. Um, Whatever. PK, I haven't been there in a while. PK, I'm sure, will join the pregame show coming up in the 5 o'clock hour as uh, as well. So it is going to be a busy day on the show. A busy day uh, on the show today. So thanks uh, very much for making us a part of it. In fact, let's, let's talk about that big football game coming up, Austin. Let's get into the split story of the day. Two guys, two topics, two, two, two. two opinions. Utah, give me two. This is the split story of the day 
on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Hit it. And The Zone Sports Network. I don't want you to give away a game plan, but Sewell, you mentioned him as on the offensive line, considered by many to be the best offensive lineman in the country. You didn't play him last year when they came in the right cycles because he had an injury. Obviously, he'll be on the field in the Pac-12 title game. Uh, how do you handle that from a defensive perspective? football player there's no doubt about it and and you're right there's a, a lot of people's a lot of people's opinion that uh, know a lot about football believe he might be the best offensive lineman in the country he's yet to give up a sack this year i think he's only given up seven hurries which that's an you know that's uh, just almost unheard of to have that type of a year when you're talking a 12 game season and and uh, but i can say this you know we've got some pretty good guys up front of our own and uh, Bradley and I, that'll be a great matchup when Bradley goes against uh, Sewell or whether it's Mika Tafua. And, and I think that might be the the uh, most intriguing matchup in this game going in is, is the Oregon offensive line against the Utah defensive line. Absolutely. That's the matchup of the century, no doubt about it. Split story of the day brought to you, as always, by our friends at Soundsleep Medical. Do you snore at night or are you currently using a CPAP machine to treat sleep apnea? Soundsleep Medical can improve your life. Visit soundsleepmedical.com. Just to give you an idea of how good the Oregon offensive line is, uh, Austin, there are four seniors off on that offensive line, so it's very seasoned, and the one pup they have Penny Sewell just happens to be the best offensive lineman in the country, that's all. Oh, is that it? That's it. The whole country. The whole country. And uh, you heard Kyle Whittingham talking about it. I mean, it's it's a it's a big deal for this Oregon team um, because it's the strength of their team. And it's going right head-to-head with the strength of this Utah team. Their, Utah's defensive line is unbelievable. So I wonder, uh, I wonder what the impact of this matchup is going to be because I don't honestly see either side dominating it. If Utah's defensive line dominates this game, I mean, best defensive line ever. I mean, just <laughs> like uh, where if they dominate Oregon, if the D-line just dominates, I mean, I don't see that happening. But I don't think you do either. No, I, I don't. I don't think I, – I was talking a little bit uh, crazy today because I was like, it's almost as though the O-line of Oregon and the D-line of Utah could possibly – cancel each other out not meaning that won't be a factor but they're just so evenly matched right that it's going to have to maybe come from somewhere else right and so i don't know where oregon goes for that somewhere else they've got verdell they've got some nice running backs but if with utah's defense i mean i'm certainly not betting on them really having a ton of success running the ball so that comes down to can justin herbert get the ball to some subpar wide receivers because that's the weakness of Oregon's offense is is the receiving position it's way banged up and they were kind of mediocre to begin with so Herbert and I, I I'll be interested to talk to Hans I've been listening to his breakdown all week and he's been watching a lot of film and he's unimpressed with the way that Herbert is playing which I I agree he wasn't good against Oregon State we know he was he was good at times against Arizona State but you know Made some mistakes, lost him that football game. But Justin Herbert is still good enough that he can go out and beat you. He's good. He's he's a good quarterback, regardless of how he's played over the past couple of weeks. I just don't know if if I'm going to bet on that depleted receiving group going up against Utah's secondary. I mean, I'm taking Utah's secondary 10 out of 10 times, right? Yeah. That wasn't the case against USC. USC's receivers were awesome, and as awesome as Utah's secondary is, you know, that was a tough matchup. That's not Oregon. So I 
I don't see the Ducks moving the football a ton. I got to be honest. So then it comes down to Utah's offense. Is that what you're telling me? Yes. Is that where this thing lies? Because Utah's defense will cancel out Oregon's offense. Right. So then it's got to be, can Oregon's defense slow down the run attack first and foremost of Zach Moss? And then Tyler Huntley, and he's always finding that open receiver in this Ludwig uh, offense. So you're feeling good about Utah. I am feel, I'm feeling good about Utah in this game. Um, the, the other side of the ball, well, let me put it this way. If Oregon wins, it's going to be like a repeat of last year's Pac-12 title game. And I think we're all hoping and praying that we get a better game than we saw last year because that was, that was a really hard game to watch. But that's how Oregon wins, in my opinion. And Utah probably shoots himself in the foot a couple of times, turnovers, that sort of thing, and somebody makes one play, and that's the entire difference. I think that's the or that's the recipe for a duck victory. But I think Utah's better offensively than that. Now, keep in mind, Oregon's defense is really good. Um, are they? Or are they inflated? Tenth in the country against the run. So. Yeah, it's a little inflated, though. They played the same teams Utah played. They did not play the same teams Utah Basically played. Basically played the same teams Utah played. And they played. gave up... Almost triple the amount of rush yards Utah gave up. Uh, per game, they're at 106 in Utah. Oh, it was at, 116 yesterday. Here, let but me maybe see. it is 106. I, I've got it right in front of me. Give me. And Utah's 56.7. second here. So it's right. It's good. 106, 116, it, it's good. It's great. But are they even compared to Utah, though? Uh, just to be exact, because I do have it in front of us, uh, Oregon's at 106.8 rushing yards it per came game. came down 10. Yards suddenly, huh? And the Utes are at 56.25. Ah. I don't think it came down. I'm looking at the same website I looked at yesterday. The Pac-12 is the website I looked at yesterday. It said 116. Oh, well, they're lying to you. They Austin. don't like Oregon, they, apparently. They, yeah. they don't like their own there team. There was 10 more yards somewhere mm. on average. But anyway, the, the point being, I, don't think, I think Oregon's defense is good. I think that they've benefited uh, from some of the offenses that they've played against at certain times of the season with key guys down and out for their opponent. Utah's defense is for real, though. About, Oregon's is good, just not maybe as great as Utah's. How about this, Austin? How about this for a stat? Utah and Oregon both have only given up four touchdowns on the ground this year. Wow. That's incredible. You think you'd accidentally give up more than four rushing t- touchdowns a year, you know, right? Yeah, probably. That's a, In like a garbage time situation, all that kind of thing, yeah. Only four rushing touchdowns for both these defenses? That's pretty incredible. At one of those was uh, Tyson Williams in the rivalry game. The right? The rest of them had to have come in, in conference play. Well, I can't imagine Idaho State or NIU scored on no. the ground. Eno Benjamin, I think, had a touchdown okay. in the Arizona State game. Actually, but four. I could be wrong about that. But anyway, four touchdowns on the whole year. That's that's pretty that's pretty incredible. Don't don't sleep on it. This is the best defense that Utah will face all year. So I mean, maybe you think they're a little inflated, maybe not. But this will be the best defense they played all year. So here's what I think Utah has going for it. They have uh, somebody like Brant Keefe. They've got a they've got a dynamic playmaker, a go-to guy. The, the, this year, going into this year, I had doubt about the Utah wide receivers. And the Utah fans absolutely lit me on fire. Oh, I wouldn't even, you know what? I wouldn't even use the word doubt. All I said, Austin, was I'll believe it when I see it. Every offseason, we hear all this hype about the Utah wide receivers. And then, you know, we get a ho hum kind of thing. And the Utah wide receivers this year have been pretty good. But they still haven't had a go to guy. They haven't had wide receiver number one. They just haven't. I mean, 
it's it's been kind of to their advantage where they've spread it out, and I've actually got no problem with that. But they have a go-to guy now. It's just not a wide receiver. It's a, it's a tight end. They've got a dude. They've got a dude that you have to, or if you're Oregon, if you're the Ducks defensive coordinator, you have to game plan around Keefe. Is he to Keefe. the point where you uh, double team him? Yes. Bracket him? Uh-huh, 100%. Remember all those drops he had early in the season? He Well, he's buttoned that, that up. That's been uh, fixed, hasn't that, it? They've taken care of that. Five touchdowns, I believe, in the last two two games, three games? So he's been good enough of late, especially, that Oregon's going to really focus on him and take him out. Absolutely. Or try. You know, I don't think you have to do that with the, the other Utah wide receivers, and I don't think you have to do that with Oregon's wide receivers, which will be an advantage to Utah. But they finally got a number one that's going to scare the other team into adjusting, which is nothing but good news for everybody else on the team. Yeah. So I, I think I think Utah's more equipped to put points on the board against a really good defense than Oregon is, which which sounds crazy even as it's coming out of my mouth because we're talking about an Oregon team that has Justin Herbert as their quarterback. But I, I don't I don't know if he's got the, the he'll weapons. He'll be great for the Dolphins next year. I think he'll be a good pro quarterback. I I a little bit surprised, and again, that's why we're going to ask Hans about it, uh, when he gets in here, I'm a little bit surprised Hansis is down on Herbert as uh, as he is, but because I think Herbert is great, he's a, it's the reason that I thought Oregon for the most part all year had been the best team in the in the Pac-12. I don't feel that way any longer. I mean that loss to Arizona State was rough, but they're still, I mean they're still a good team. Well, I I actually this is the first time all season I have not had an opportunity to watch some of the film study that Hans has done. It's to my detriment because it's incredible stuff. So I'm excited to hear from him as well. But I see a little bit uh, of what I saw with Jacob Eason, a, a quarterback who's really good, really talented, should be one of the best out there with an incredible offensive line. And the two best offensive lines in the Pac-12 is Washington and Oregon. And if Justin Herbert is struggling with his decision-making and accuracy with that type of offensive line, it reminds me a little bit of Jacob Eason. That being said, when you look at just a play here or a play there, you might think, oh, he's not as good as advertised. When you consider the whole body of work, Jacob Eason, Justin Herbert, they had good seasons. Not as good as they could have been, in my opinion. But Jake or Justin Herbert can hurt you at any given moment, don't you think? Oh, 100%. Unless you have three NFL guys in your secondary. Which helps when defending against a guy <laughs> like like Justin Herbert. So I I mean yeah I do favor Utah I, I do and they beat him last year with Jason Shelley. I mean there's certainly some differences, but uh, that that game in in retrospect, how incredible was that game? Jason Shelley with that clutch drive to beat Oregon last year, like that's that's pretty amazing. With giving I don't, I don't think we appreciated that enough at the time, Jason Shelley beating the Oregon Ducks. Yeah, it was kind of considered a fluke, maybe, when it when it went down. Everyone was kind of like, really? Because that, this was supposed to be the end of the world. Right. No Moss, no Huntley. They're going to run all these backups in there, and then they just go and do what they did, and now the Pac-12 title game. We'll see. What you're saying, it's going to be a 7-6 Oregon win tonight, which I don't that's how know Oregon would, that. That's but. how Oregon would win if they do. I, just I, one more play than the other, and that play being a PAT. I, I, I just think Utah's going to put up some points. I'm not so sure Oregon is, Austin. That's all. That's all. Do you think that this will be a blowout win for the Utes? Because Hans is thinking that. I know he is. It needs to be. And, does it? Uh, and maybe we'll get into that uh, a little bit more. Well, I, I mean, it does because 
can you if Utah bumps and skids and still beats Oregon, it gives the committee an excuse to to leapfrog Oklahoma, which I believe they're looking for. But if Utah mops the floor with Oregon, it's much more difficult to leave Utah out because they're the higher ranked team. So, I mean, could, let's say Utah wins by twenty one and wins going away, just hammering them. I mean, but Oklahoma wins by one, right? And it, it's a small margin. You know who they're they going with, though, Jake. See, but Oklahoma. It, it would be much harder to do that. They don't care what you think or what I think or what I know. What Feinbaum thinks. I know you're right. They care about the coins hitting the bank vault. Yeah, they're a, it's a TV show. I I got you. I'm a I'm a hundred percent. It would just be it would be much much harder if Utah had one of those those games where they left no doubt. You know, it would if be they had much, a heart and a soul, it'd be hard. It yes. would be much harder. But they Are don't. you trying to tell me Frank Beamer doesn't have a heart and a soul? That's I will, exactly I will, what I'm saying. I will not listen to that, not for a second. Who's here. in charge of the playoff committee? The Oregon AD. Okay. And yeah, he wants the Utes. Did you hear my theory on why I think he doesn't want the Utes? The Nike thing? Yeah. yeah that was pretty good, actually. Share it again, because Oklahoma and Oregon are both Nike are both schools. Nike schools. But, but Phil Knight, is he's the, he's the bankroll. For that Oregon Duck athletic program. I've been up there. I've seen it first person. It's amazing. Amazing. I mean, Eugene is a, a middle of nowhere town. It is a town. And you look around and it looks like a town. You know, older homes, you know, kind of looks like a, a rural town. And then you get onto the campus at the University of Oregon and you're like, well, it, architecturally. Does the king live here? Yeah, architecturally, it's like you just set foot into Rome. You're like, <laughs> wow, this is incredible. So uh, Nike, yeah, Nike, uh, they are the bankroll there for Oregon. And I would guess if Phil called that athletic director and said, listen, Utah is an Under Armour school. Oklahoma, just like you, is a Nike school. You so mean, I just want you to keep this in mind. If he did something like, you know, hey, you know all that financial aid I give you? Have you been liking that coming your way? Because, yeah, so a little bit of Not a, that we've heard of anything like that in the I news was, of late. I, you know what? I just thought the exact same thing as that was going to It'd be a perfect <laughs> call, though, Jake. Perfect. I would I would wonder, uh, uh, maybe Darren Ravel or somebody like that has tweeted something out about this, but I would wonder what the financial value it is to Nike to have your team in the college or have a team in the college football playoff like how how much would under armor benefit financially from the advertising or whatever if utah were to be in the college football playoff what if they won it all cuz we're we're talking big money so you may you may say oh jake this is a nice conspiracy blah 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 but really out there would we doubt a shoe company that has millions upon millions on the line for uh, pulling a few strings no not in the least that's conspiracies. People look at you like you're weird, but you're almost always right. True. I am always right, actually. I mean, any conspiracy. Yeah, that's it. Any of them. They're all right. They're all correct. Have you seen a bullet turn in midair? <laughs> you think they were actually on the moon and not a soundstage? <laughs> what was the, the, the director's name that was supposed to have shot that? He did uh, the Clockwork Orange. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Now you're going to put me on the spot. Now, I keep wanting to say Roman Polanski, but nope. that's not it. Nope. No, no, no. Not he. It's the guy who did... Uh, not that. The, uh, Stanley Kubrick? That's a yeah. Kubrick. Kubrick, yeah. Kubrick. Who did... Uh, let's see. What else did he do? He did uh, Full Metal Jacket, Yep. Mm-hmm. which is uh, half of a terrific movie. Did he do 2001 A Space Odyssey? I think so. Okay. Anyway. Where, so we we're here? off topic. That, and, Gordon, <laughs> and Gordon is not even here. 
How about that? Well, Jake, well, the conspiracy is that uh, PK wasn't really in Santa Clara today, but I wouldn't know about that. <laughs> Do we have an update on uh, on Gordo? No. Okay. All right, coming up right around the corner, Kyle Whittingham was on with DJ and PK yesterday. We're going to let you hear that conversation as we're going heavy, heavy college football. We will take a break briefly at 4 o'clock to talk to Howard Beck for your NBA Daily Assist, but we're wall-to-wall college football here on The Big Show, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Slow mojo. The Joe Ingles Show with DJ and PK. When you're driving in the car and you're just going home and you're thinking about, we could just change one thing. It would start making things better. What does your brain go to right away? I think a few of those key components that we've always usually been pretty good at is just lacking a little bit. Obviously, that's resulting in the way we're playing. How much of it is it mental versus physical? Definitely a bit of both. You've got to get to the next play. I think we struggled with that. We haven't got to the next play and it's kind of snowballed into three or four, five, six possessions instead of being one and I was getting a great shot or getting a stop defensively and fix it and turn it around as soon as possible and instead of it snowballing like it kind of has. Oh, yeah. Catch jazz man Joe Ingles with DJ and PK every Thursday morning at 9 a.m. on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Band of the day today, a local band called Say Hey on a Friday, brought to you by our friends at Live Nation Concerts. Buy concert tickets and get the latest tour news and artist insight at LiveNation.com. Howard back, top of the 4 o'clock hour, but right now, let's hear a little bit from Kyle Whittingham. He was on with DJ and PK earlier this week and had this to say. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. We are joined now by Utah football coach Kyle Whittingham. Kyle, good morning. Good morning, guys. How you doing? We're doing well. The Pac-12 title game looms. Are you going to tell us it's another game, or does it actually feel different? Oh, it feels different. Any championship game feels different. I don't think there's any secret about that. and It is uh, definitely a different feel than the regular season. And so... Uh, you know, positive is our, a lot of our guys have been here before, so it's not new to them like it was last year. So that's a little bit of a, a, uh, a you know, advantage for us. But, uh, you know, we've got a good team in Oregon that we're facing and, and uh, a lot of weapons, and so we got to be at our best. The things that I've noticed this season that I've been wanting to ask you for a long time, and I'll set it up, is usually when guys are pro material like a Jalen Johnson, they tend to go. You know, the Devils had Harry last year, Benjamin's talking about going, and they don't come back. You not only got one player, you got like four or five players to come back. I mean, is it your wife's brownies, or how in the heck did you (laughs) pull that off? Yeah, that was that was unique because there, there, you're exactly right. There was four or five guys that uh, had a strong case for for possibly entering the draft, and I think each one individually did their homework the right way, talked to the right people, um, and ultimately made the right decision. They all came back. I believe all of their stock has risen. Uh, you know what the guys were talking about in that group, and they've all got their degree now, and and uh, so a lot of positives. And, you know, but there is risk coming back. There's no doubt about it. But but uh, hopefully we you know 
continue down this path of uh, them having a great experience and, and uh, like I said, putting themselves in a better position. So it was very predictable that some of these guys, you know, Zach Moss is having a big year. Well, no kidding. But you have been helped by some guys that the fan base didn't know much about. Did you know, for instance, Brant Keith was going to end up being such a difference maker here in the, in the final third of the season? Well, we thought he had the talent. We knew, you know, we saw it last year. He flashed last year uh, at times, and and uh, really credit Andy Ludwig for uh, getting Brant in the right spots and and featuring him in the offense the way he has and playing to his strengths. Because because Brant's a tough matchup in space. He runs exceptionally well. No linebacker can cover him. That's that's a given. And a lot of safety struggle with him. And so uh, to say that we saw this type of production coming and we knew it would happen, no. But we knew that he had the skill set that. Uh, you know, he was going to be a playmaker for us. Yeah, you just said it in that answer to Keithy. Scally's getting a lot of run as a top assistant coach, and I'm fine with that. I don't personally like him, but I'm okay with him getting the publicity. <laughs> but I think the biggest addition to your ball club this year, your program, has been Andy Ludwig, because I think he's been absolutely sensational. He has, and, and uh, not only Brad Keithy, but Tyler Huntley. That's been the biggest impact is, is the year that Tyler has had. And, and if you want to have a chance to be a championship team, you have got to have great play at the quarterback position. There's a rare, rare exceptions to that. And, and Tyler is having as good a year as as possible. I mean, he's, he's been terrific for us. He's been a great leader for us. And just a complete, uh, you know, he's just a different person this year. And, and it's great to see that happen. 75.5% completion percentage. You've coached for a long time. You've got a lot of friends who've coached. How many coaches have had that luxury of a quarterback and a passing game that are that efficient? Very, very few. And you talk about the other things, you know, in addition to that completion percentage is his yards per attempt, which is a is a really critical stat in the throw game. You gotta be you know, you gotta have a good yards per attempt if your offense you know, on offense and defense that's something you look at to try to limit. And then you look at his uh touchdown to interception ratio, which is off the charts and and uh, you know, the only thing he's not doing is throwing for three or four hundred a game just because we don't throw the ball that much. But but uh, he is as efficient of a quarterback as there is in the country right now when we do throw. So with all these guys coming back, the one thing that, not the one thing, but thing that you've emphasized and your players have emphasized, and, and I'm kind of a cynical dude, but since I've been around your program for a number of years, I see it's really true. And that family aspect of it, I don't know, it's because we're in a smaller place as opposed to some of these Pac-12 teams that are in these major metropolitan areas, much bigger than when we are. I don't know if that contributes it for whatever the reason is with this family atmosphere. But I think part of the reason that all these guys came back and said no, to the NFL is because they enjoyed that family atmosphere that you are responsible for creating and cultivating. How much do you think that can? How much do you think I'm right in that the family atmosphere? And then something that you can pitch to recruits is guys, man, we we got something different here. Well, I would say it was a big part of their decisions, and and each of them mentioned that as well. You know, when I when I had the chance to sit down with them, and and that culture is something we've worked hard at for for a lot of years, and and uh, what it boils down to is our guys genuinely love each other and love to be around each other. It's a it is a family, it is a, a you know a brotherhood, I guess you could say, and uh, that's something that makes coaching these guys very gratifying. I mean, you don't want to. It's tough to coach a bunch of individuals and guys that are fragmented, and uh, fortunately for us, we're blessed. You know, here at University of Utah, where that's not the case, and our guys really care about each other. Like I said, and and uh, they're great teammates, and they're unselfish. 
So what do you do to foster that and make sure that, you know, California guys don't hang with California guys and that, you know, guys don't hang by by race or by uh, grade level? You know, the seniors are good to the freshmen and all that. I mean, how do you how do you what do you do intentionally that manages that? Well, first of all, it it's almost self-perpetuating. I mean, guys come into the program, the new guys, and we have a saying here that you will become us. We won't become you. You'll become us. And that's that's uh, something that the guys learn very quickly here is we have a way of doing things and a, and a way about our football team that, that uh, is how it's going to be. And they they uh, you know they just join in and and away we go. We're also uh, you know in my opinion one of our main strengths is the diversity on this football team. We're in our opinion the most diverse team in America. We have almost exactly uh, one third African American, one third Polynesian, one third Caucasian. I don't think there's any team in the country that has that blend like we do. And then you got the religious backgrounds, and we got religious backgrounds from from uh, you know all different uh, religions. And then we also have the age difference. You know, we have 18 year old freshmen and 25 year old returned missionary seniors, and so we've got the whole spectrum of players here. I don't want you to give away a game plan, but Sewell, you mentioned him as on the offensive line, considered by many to be the best offensive lineman in the country. You didn't play him last year when they came in the Rice Eccles because he had an injury. Obviously, he'll be on the field in the Pac-12 title game. Uh, how do you handle that from a defensive perspective? Yeah, he's a great football player. There's no doubt about it, and and you're right. There's a, a lot of people's a lot of people's opinion that uh, know a lot about football believe he might be the best offensive lineman in the country. He's yet to give up a sack this year. I think he's only given up seven hurries, which that's an, you know that's uh, just almost unheard of to have that type of a year when you're talking a 12 game season and and uh but i can say this you know we've got some pretty good guys up front of our own and uh bradley and i that'll be a great matchup when bradley goes against uh sewell or whether it's mika tafua and and i think that might be the the uh most intriguing matchup in this game going in is is the oregon offensive line against the utah defensive line there's rain in the forecast. If it really comes down and is a major factor, how does that change the game? Well, it could change depending on how how much rain you get. But the bigger factor, uh, DJ, might be the wind. You know, there's 17 to 18 mile an hour winds projected, and uh, that has more of an impact on what you do offensively than rain does typically, unless it's just a torrential downpour. And so we'll just have to see. But typically, that means the run game becomes accentuated, and you know, the team that runs the football better is most likely going to have the better chance to win. How good does it feel to remain undefeated in your 60s? <laughs> Feels great so far. It's been about a week, but but so far so good. <laughs> yeah. And he thinks I like crazy stats. <laughs> well, I brought it up in Tucson, but I didn't bring it up the other night, so I thought I should That's bring right, it up now. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, one game later. I guess we're two and zero now. Yeah, you're two and zero, man. Good. You're rolling. That's good. Let's keep it going. You got keep that wisdom going. finally. <laughs> That's right. All right, coach. Thanks for a few minutes. We appreciate it. Okay, guys. All right, there you go. That was Utah head coach Kyle Whittingham with uh, DJ and PK and Coach Witt talking about the the weather, which, of course, uh, is going to be a story for tonight's game, 100% chance of rain. They're hoping they might uh, be an hour or so into the game before the rain really starts. But but like Coach Witt said right there, the wind is what could really uh, make a difference in this one. If there are 20-mile-an-hour winds, it, it's going to be – it's going to be difficult not to make mistakes, especially if you're going to have to pass the ball. So but right now, as I look outside the window here, way cloudy. Oh, okay. So way cloudy. So PK with the forecast there. Way cloudy. Cloudy. Yeah. 
Way cloudy. All the, right, we got wind, it. Yeah. All right, we'll have more coming up next. It is the big show. Hello? Gordon Monson, Jake Scott. Don't judge me, Austin. It's my first day. 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. This is Tony Parks and Austin Horton. Coach Lou is in the house. Before we preview the the games this weekend, we had a a listener tweet in a question for you. He wants to know, where would you rank Kyle Whittingham next to Kyle Willingham and Ty Whittingham? I think it's a really great question because I think Willingham really got a raw deal for all those years, and then finally Utah showed that he could be something great, and he's turned that team into something great. So I don't think there's any doubt that Kyle Willingham is easily one of the best coaches in the entire country and I think Washington made a big mistake and now their coach just quit on him. I think it's absolute karma. Tony Parks and Austin Horton weekdays from 10 to noon on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Show Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. No Gordon. We're going to have Howard Beck coming up top of the 4 o'clock hour. We'll take a break from the college football talk for a moment. Hans Olsen is going to be along in the 4 o'clock hour. Pre-game officially begins at the top of the 5 o'clock hour. Frank Dolce will be here. I'm sure PK will weigh in uh, live from Santa Clara. Uh, as well, so stay tuned for that. Uh, it'll be uh, it'll be interesting to see tonight. You know, one thing I've I've kind of been debating, Austin, and, and weigh in on this: is it a good or a bad thing that the Pac-12 championship game is on Friday as opposed to Saturday? Uh, it's a good thing in that there's no other championship games tonight. It's the one Power Five game on the docket. It's the one college football game uh, of Division One uh, variety on the docket, isn't it? Uh, yes, it is. They, so, they've got it all to themselves. So a conference that can't get people to watch their games, this is the day to have everyone watching your game. But here's the thing. Tomorrow, um, I guess if the ACC and the Big Ten are going head-to-head, but Georgia LSU is at 2. They're kind of all alone. And Baylor-Oklahoma is at 10. So they're not really competing with so anybody So you could have been the nightcap tomorrow and the last thing on everyone's mind? Right. Because, uh, let's see, uh, Virginia Clemson is at 5.30. Ohio State Wisconsin is at 6. I mean, you could have slid into the, the late night window and had it all to yourself, but we know the disadvantages of that. My, my, the only reason I bring it up is because do you want to leave the, the last impression, the final thing before they, they go into that room? You know? you, yeah, do you want to visit your free agent uh, first or last? That's, I, I always wonder that about BYU and the West Coast Conference. Does it affect them that their conference tournament is so much earlier than the rest of the conference tournaments? You know, BYU makes their case to get an at-large bid, and then everybody else makes theirs. Yeah. And I, I don't know. I'm, I'm a little bit torn on it. See, I think if Utah goes out there tonight and really makes a statement, everybody is going to be watching. I mean, the whole college football world you know, is going to be focused on, on Utah, Oregon tonight. That That is true. So if Utah can go out and have a statement win where they kick them around a little bit, you know, maybe that it, – it, I guess my point is I think they have to, to send a message that is long-lasting through tomorrow when a lot of other stuff is going to happen. Everybody still has to think like, oh, yeah, well, Utah put it on Oregon. Yeah, maybe, although the Big Ten, nothing is going to happen in that game 
unless it's a Ohio State loss that is going to be of any consequence to anybody. No, that game so, actually doesn't affect Utah at all. Even so if the Ohio State loses, they're still in. Well, the, yeah, the committee, I'm saying, has no interest in that game right. at all. They right. don't need to watch that game. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, the LSU-Georgia one, yeah, they got to probably take a look at that. But do they really? Because they know if Georgia wins, they're going to take them. And if they don't, LSU's in anyway. Yeah, the winner's in. So, and I think the loser is in if it's LSU. I agree. So they don't have to watch that game. They just have to see the final score. Mm-hmm. The Big 12 game and the Pac-12 game, yeah, they have to take, take a peek at and not the ACC. So Utah tonight, Big 12 tomorrow, that's really all they're concerned with. The most focused on, yeah. So I don't think they're going to get clouded by stats and, and video and highlights from those other three games because I don't think they matter. Correct. I, I mean, I think it's their duty to still watch them, I suppose. But yeah, I'm with you. I, there's little consequence to that. And, and I'm in the camp, and I, I'm in the camp, and I can't believe everybody isn't in this camp that Clemson, if they lose, they're out. Who said that? Uh, I've heard people say they could afford a lost Clemson, Ken. They could not afford they to lose? They could afford to lose. And oh, still, okay. And okay. Still, I'm missing. Yeah, if they lose to Virginia, I think they should be out. Yeah, well, they should be. Will they be? I would guess yes. So, I mean, there is some consequence there. If, Clem- if Clemson loses, that's going to open up another spot. That, I mean, that's so unlikely, though. So unlikely. Yeah. That'd be awesome for Broncos. Although though. I do think Virginia's better than North Carolina, and North Carolina should have beat Clemson, I know, everybody— But know at what? a different day and time. Everybody points to that, and you know what? The Tigers have just mauled everybody on their schedule since then. And you know who we're going to listen to uh, to fairly unbiasedly break down Virginia football? Virginia Tech that would be club president, Jake Scott. I'm telling you, though, I, I would feel good for Bronco if he, could, if he could somehow pull that off. But, I mean, you know, Clemson is kind of Utah if you want to think about it that way. I mean, everybody points at that North Carolina game. You know, Utah had the USC game, and then they've been beating the crap out of everybody else on their schedule, even though they haven't been worthy, so to speak. So there's actually some similarity there. Yeah, I can Except see Except for yeah. Clemson didn't lose. The Clemson won. Uh, albeit not, it wasn't really there. It was they weren't why they won. Mac well, Brown is why they won. But well, I, I mean, what a you, terrible play call. You, you fans don't don't point out how in two thousand eight against Oregon State and TCU they won by the power of prayer. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, because those both those games were basically lost, and then they get some late game. Incredible performances, including what a missed field goal from TCU, where they missed a last-second field goal and that would have won it. Made a field goal against Oregon State, right? right? Yeah. yeah, King Louis, if I'm not wrong, Louis Scota. But nobody points at that, right? Nobody, nobody thought. Well, Utah didn't deserve to be there because they needed a prayer against the Beavs to to win. You know, they got the win. They got out of there. They didn't have their best performance, and they still got the W. Now, at that point, Oregon State was in a Power Five. Well, the BCS they were okay. They were all right. And Mountain West was not a BCS conference. Right. So. They had those two brothers who were pretty good. Jacquiz, Rogers, and didn't didn't his brother also play? Jacquiz and uh, uh, oh, Gall. And what was his name? And their quarterback at the time wasn't terrible. Sean Mannion? Was, was he the quarterback then? I don't know. We'd have to. I, I think Mannion came after that for Did some he? reason. All right. Yeah, we'd have to go back. Anyway, it it wasn't a bad Beaver team. They had beaten USC, I think, like the week before or something like that. And, and TCU that year was good, too. So maybe it's not apples to apples. But, but it's, I, it's similar. You, yeah. get, you get what I'm saying. So it, uh, I, I just wondered that if playing on Friday, I wonder if that's – because we, we like to 
And sometimes it's not nitpicking, but we do like to nitpick the Pac-12, right? Like these these little wonky decisions that don't make any sense. Like like Larry Scott having the the what uh, what room was that down at the Cosmopolitan in Vegas for the basketball the tournament penthouse. or whatever? <laughs> or he's under seven thousand dollars a minute or whatever. It was. <laughs> he's under but, it, but it's comped, Jake. He's under scrutiny for his budget, and he stays at the nicest room in Vegas. You know, like these these things where you're just like, what on earth are you doing? I wonder if putting the championship <laughs> game on Friday is one of those things. Like, you think it's going to give you an advantage, but it actually is a disadvantage. Yeah, I, I, I could see where you're coming from. I feel like it's actually an advantage because, let's be real, not everyone watches the Pac-12 all season. It's the only thing on today. Right. Your argument, though, that will that memory of tonight's game last through the decision Sunday, if that really, if that is a real factor, then yeah, I think I'd give you some credit there but i don't think it matters right i think the committee knows what they're going to do based on the five outcomes that are that could take place already without even seeing the decisions are made it's just where does the ping pong ball fall the fix is in as they say well that's always the case yeah Yeah, true you taught me that true all right uh we're gonna get to howard beck coming up next stay tuned it's the big show gordon monson jake scott 97.5 and 1280 the zone